Welcome to the teaching ministry of Temple Baptist Church. While we hope you can join us in person, our prayer is that this message will encourage you to love God and serve Him in a deeper way. Well, good morning. Good morning. Okay, you're awake. Good, good. Well, I am Dave, and I am one of the pastors here, and I am so excited, and I'll tell you why, because I have the privilege of opening God's Word and sharing it with you. And I believe this, that every time we open the Word of God, we come face to face with Him. And I believe that when God has our attention, He has something for us. And so I'm looking forward to what God has for us. Are you guys looking forward to it? You don't seem convinced. Are you looking forward to it? Okay, well, let's see what happens. You know, I think there are certain things in the Christian life that we have misconceptions about. Things that we have grown up hearing and have tainted our view on certain things. And the danger is this, is these misconceptions can impact our faith and eventually affect our relationship with God. And this morning, what we're gonna do is this, is we're gonna look at one of those misconceptions and the misconception around prayer. Now, before we do anything, we're gonna pray. We're gonna ask God to come and speak and to challenge us where we're at, right? So let's pray together and then we'll jump into this. Dear Lord, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for the fact that you've given us the privilege to gather together in this freedom to be in your presence as a family. Lord, we have worshiped you because you rightfully deserve it. And right now, we're gonna open your word and we are praying with all of our hearts that you would speak to us. So I pray that you would give us the ears to hear and the courage to live out whatever you challenge us with. So in these next few moments, Lord, I pray that you would remove all the distractions of the week. Let's put them aside. We can get them afterwards. And Lord, I pray that we would just focus on you. I pray you get me out of the way because you are the potter and I am the clay and I thank you so much for that privilege. In your name I pray, amen. I wanna begin this morning by asking you two questions. The first question is this. Have you ever been at church and someone blindsided you by asking you to pray out loud? Ever done that? Or maybe you're somewhere else and someone puts you on the spot and asks you to pray for the meal and you're like, ugh. You know, I'll never forget when I was asked to pray out loud for the very first time. It was grade five. It was Sunday school class, and it was Mr. Redding. I'll never forget this. He finished teaching, and he turned to me and said, Dave Lane, would you close in prayer? Extreme terror came over me. I remember that. There's two things you gotta know about when I was a kid. First of all is I did not like attention drawn to myself. You're like, you? Yeah, back then, I love it now. You can give me all the attention you want. But back then, I didn't like it too much. And the second thing about me is this, is I had a terrible stuttering problem. And it got worse when I got nervous. And so you got a picture of this. Here I am, this little grade five, in my suit and tie. I looked cute, I did. And I was just totally paralyzed with fear. Now, the time in between Mr. Redding asking me to pray and me asking, me, and actually me praying was just a moment. But that moment, was like an eternity. I remember I sat there and I racked my brain, what am I going to pray? I kind of rehearsed the prayers that I'd, I'd heard in church, but that didn't help me. That just overwhelmed me. And so I opened my mouth and what came out was, let's just put it this way, it was a disaster. 
I could barely get it out because I was so scared. And second, what came out was all mumbled and jumbled because of my stuttering problem. And what happened next, I'll never forget, once I got into it, all of the guys in my Sunday school class began to laugh. I'll tell you something, it was brutal. I don't know how else to describe it. And for me, that moment actually tainted my idea of prayer as a kid. You know, in some ways, I think this kind of thing happens to all of us. We may not stutter, but we have felt the pressure when it comes to prayer. We have, right? I remember as a kid sitting there listening to people come up here and they pray, and, and they would pray these spiritual, poetic, long, eloquent prayers, and they were beautiful. They are beautiful. And whenever they pray, they always got the amen and mm-hmm, because let's face it, you know if you get an amen or a mm-hmm, you are knocking it out of the park, right? You know that. You're like, yes! Right? So here's the thing, is they got it every time. And so there was this unspoken pressure when it came to prayer. Now, for some of you here this morning, if I was to ask you right now to pray out loud, now don't worry, I see the fear on your faces, okay? This is hypothetical, you can breathe, okay? It's not gonna happen. But let's say I got down off this stage and I had a mic and I said, Gail, could you open in prayer? Sure, she, okay, you would, I know. Here's the thing, most of us would probably literally feel sick to our stomach, we would. But get this, for others of us, just the idea of praying, period, makes you feel sick. Maybe it's just the idea of talking to God that makes you feel a little weird, because he's not really there, physically. Maybe it's the idea of those fancy words that people use when they pray, that kind of throw you off. Or maybe it's when you pray to God, he doesn't respond to you out loud, and so you stand there looking at the ceiling. Or maybe you have a million things going on in your life that it almost feels impossible to sit in silence and focus. Whatever the reason, when it comes to prayer, sometimes we just don't want to do it. You probably wouldn't admit that out loud, especially in church, but it's true. And it's not because we don't love God, because we love God. But the reason we don't want to do it is because we don't know what to say. What do you say to the creator of the universe who made you and everything around you? That can be intimidating. Or we don't know how to say it. How does it come out? Like, how do we address him? We might be afraid we're going to get struck by lightning or something. Or we don't know how to feel because let's face it, sometimes when we pray, we are angry and we're frustrated with God. So what do we do with that when we pray? Or sometimes we simply don't know what to expect. What is supposed to happen when we pray? And because of that, I think what happens is this, is a lot of us pray like this. We pray like a greeting card. Now, don't get me wrong, I think greeting cards are good. My wife loves them, and they have saved my hide a few times, okay? They have, 
Just go in the store, I've done something wrong, just give her a card, right? But this one I gave to my wife last week because June 10th we celebrated 22 years of marriage and uh, this is a good card. And I'll tell you why it's a good card because when I read it in Hallmark, I actually cried, I did. Now it's not saying much, my family will tell you that I cry at Disney movies. Beauty and the Beast gets me every time. So not hard to make me cry. But the real test is this, would my wife cry? Because I knew if my wife cried, it was a good card. So I gave it to her, happy anniversary, honey. I watched her and she read it. And the tears flowed. So good, good card. Now, here's the thing I'll tell you. Cards are great, but cards aren't the same as having a conversation. They're not. Here's some things we know about pre-written cards. Number one, they're fake. Let me explain. Even though this card reflects my feelings, they aren't my words. The greeting card company actually determined what I would say, right? They're, in, they're kind of formal. This is a heartfelt card, it's very poetic, very sappy very romantic, but if I'm being honest with you, these aren't the words and phrases I use in everyday conversation, they're not. And it's actually impersonal because this was made by a corporation, not by me. And I am getting a third party to tell my wife how much she means to me. Now, let me say this, understand this. I am not against greeting cards. So if your family's in the greeting card business, do not send me any nasty emails, okay? I'm okay with you, I need greeting cards. But my point is this, is I think sometimes we pray this way. Let me explain to you. We're fake. Because what we do is this, is we put our best self in front of God to make a good impression. And sometimes we try to be someone we're not and we're afraid to express our emotions to God. I think we're also formal. We talk to him in a very formal and proper way. In fact, we use big fancy words and sometimes we don't even know what that word means. We're very polite and we're very structured. And another thing is this, is we're impersonal. We actually talk to God like someone we don't know and who doesn't know us. And this is the crazy part. We think this is what God wants. But let me ask you a question. What if it isn't? What if we have a misunderstanding of what prayer really is? This morning, we are gonna look at some passages in the Bible that I think will give us a different perspective, a picture of prayer. And these passages were actually recorded by David. Now we know David as the kid who fought and killed Goliath. We also know him as a great king. But David also was someone who had some pretty major mess ups in his life. Now, David was all of those things, but here's the interesting thing. He was also very, very close to God. Acts chapter 13. Verse 22 says this, after removing Saul, he made David their king. 
God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Get this, he will do everything I want him to do. David loved to pray. In fact, he talked about the importance of prayer in his own life. He talked about the importance of prayer in his relationship with God. And it's almost like David knew something about prayer that we don't. And what I want to do is this, is I want you to listen to some of David's prayers. And I'm just going to pull some excerpts out of the prayers. The first one I'll look at should be on the screen here. It's Psalms 22, verses 1 to 2. It says this. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away from me when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. This was actually written in a time in David's life where David's enemies wanted him dead. David felt helpless. He felt abandoned by God. It was one of those, where are you, God, moments. But the thing that impresses me about David here is this. What impresses me was his honesty. There's nothing fake about this prayer. This prayer is real, it's raw, and it's authentic. In fact, you read this prayer, and I read it, and I asked myself this question. Who has the guts to pray to God that way. Well, evidently, people who know how to pray because David was a man of prayer. Listen to Psalm 28, verse one, it says this. I pray to you, O Lord, my rock, do not turn a deaf ear to me, for if you are silent, I might as well give up and die. We notice here that David wasn't afraid to just talk to God. It wasn't stuffy, it wasn't formal. Now understand this, David had a deep respect for God. But there was also also an intimacy that he had with God that actually gave him the freedom to speak his mind. Now I have to admit, it's a little dramatic here, right? If you don't speak, I might as well die. But the thing is, is we all can be like that when we're upset, right? We get a little dramatic. Listen to this last one, Psalm 17, verse one, it says this. O Lord, hear my plead for justice. Listen to my cry for help. Pay attention to my prayers, for it comes from honest lips. You know, what I love about David's prayers was simply this, is that they were honest. In fact, if you read the book of Psalms, you will see that honesty in David's prayer over and over and over again. David wasn't afraid to express his emotions. I think sometimes when we pray, there is a fear to express to God how we really feel. But what we need to understand is this, is I believe this, is that God can handle our emotions. In fact, he already knows what they are before we even express them. And I don't know if you know this, but the book of Psalms is the only book in the Bible where man expresses himself to God. Every other book is God expressing himself to man. Did you ever notice that? And it's interesting because you read this and what you realize is that it's basically man's prayers to God and one of those men is David. 
It's interesting, I did a study on psalms when I was in Bible college, and they said this, that the majority of psalms are what we call lament psalms. Now let me describe to you what lament, let me define it for you. Lament means this, to express passionate grief, regret, or disappointment about something. In other words, to bellyache. That's what it is. And the majority of the psalms are like that. Now here's the thing, this is the cool part, is God allows it. God allows us to express ourselves. And the cool thing about David is this, is that in many of his psalms, you'll see that he expresses, he's so angry, but he works himself through it. And he's like, yeah, but God, you are God. And you are in control. Because I believe this, that God knows that sometimes we just need to work things through. If you're a parent here this morning, you know this, is that when your kids get upset, you work it through them. And you know, by the end, they're like, oh, okay, yeah, I can see that. That's why God allows the book of Psalms. It's because he wants us to know that he is okay with us expressing our emotions to him. Because he knows he, we, we love him. But there are times, but he wants us to be real. And the thing is, is that realness actually brings a depth. You see, David, his prayers were not like greeting cards. They weren't. In fact, what I would say is this is they were more like handwritten notes. This morning I brought with me a journal, and uh, actually I actually had to dig this out. Uh, 10 years ago, actually on my anniversary, uh, we were married for 12 years, I had a romantic moment. I have very few of them, but when I have them, they're good, all right? I thought to myself, you know what, I'm not gonna buy a card, because everybody buys a card. What I'm gonna do is I am gonna buy a journal for my wife. And what I'm going to do is I am going to write love letters to her. Oh, right? And so June 10th, 2007, I wrote a beautiful love letter. Now, wives, before you turn to your husband and say, why can't you be more like that? Okay? <laughs> Guys, I'm going to come clean. I started off with the good intentions, but I fizzled out real fast. All right? <laughs> So June 10th, I gotta read this too because I read it, I laughed my head off. My wife laughed even harder. Uh, June 10th, 2007. We've been married for 12 years and it's beautiful. I, in fact, it made me cry, honey, when I read it, but the test is it will make you cry. We'll see that. But then my next one, get this. Guys, it'll make you feel better. April 17th, 2008. And guys, there's a lot of blank pages. I'm just saying, those blank pages. Now the good thing is, I have a lot of space for the next 10 years, right? This is good. But here's the thing I wanna tell you, is I read this, and I gotta be honest, I tried, but this is like cheesy, sappy, and corny, all wrapped into one, right? I tried to be this romantic, let's put it this way, Hallmark will not be buying this off me, okay? It's not that good. But here's the thing is, my wife, my wife loved it, she thought it was great. Now here's what I want to ask you is what is the difference between this and this? This is more real. This is more personal. It's not as fancy and colorful as this. In fact, if you read it, you, which you will not do, all right? If you read it, you would find spelling mistakes. And for you English teachers in here, my grammar is atrocious. It's true. But here's the thing that's interesting, is this one means a lot more than this one to my wife. Because this is me, this is the real me. 
This is an expression of my love for my wife. It's not fake. No one wrote it for me. It's me coming up with my own ideas. You see, that is the secret to prayer. You make it personal. Because if we only knew how personal, close, and real prayer could be, I really think it would change our view on prayer. This is the big idea I wanna give you today, and I want you to walk away with this. It's simply this. Real prayer is right prayer. Let's say it together. Real prayer is right prayer. That is the most important thing about prayer, to be real. When prayer stops being stressful and starts being helpful, when prayer stops being boring and starts being meaningful, when prayer, you feel that connection to God, because real prayer is right prayer. Now, let me clarify. Let me clarify this point. I am not saying that recited prayers are bad, because I know sometimes we recite prayers. I have read some prayers that have really impacted me. Uh, The Lord's Prayer in Psalm 23 moved me every time I read them, but this is the danger when recited prayers are all we pray. Because if that is the case, it is so easy to disconnect. It is so easy to recite it without even thinking about it. And it becomes so familiar that it actually loses its meaning. I remember as a kid, when I was asked to pray before meals, I always prayed this prayer. Thank you for the world so sweet. Thank you for the food we eat. Thank you for the birds that sing. Thank you, God, for everything. Remember that prayer? And that's a beautiful prayer. But if I'm being honest with you, when I prayed, I wasn't thinking about the words. I was thinking about the food I was gonna eat after the prayer, right? And then here's when we pray over our kids. I read this one and it terrified me. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Now if we stopped there, I'd be good. But no, we continue on. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. No wonder I had so many nightmares, right? This thing is scary, but we pray it because it's a prayer we pray. Here's another thing. Even the prayers that are so meaningful, we can rattle them off without even giving them a second thought. A perfect example is the Lord's Prayer. Let me ask you a question. How many of you here this morning prayed the Lord's Prayer in school? We're gonna gonna date ourselves. Okay, yeah, I prayed it. And I remember every morning, okay, for you students, what you had to do, you got up, you sang the national anthem, okay? And then you bowed your head and you said the Lord's Prayer. I knew the Lord's Prayer so well that I could say it and be totally disengaged from it. In fact, some of the words, I didn't even know what they meant. Like howled. Howled be, I didn't know that. I had no clue what that meant. But I recited it every day. In fact, when I was in Bible college, I actually did a study on the Lord's Prayer because I really wanted to understand when we pray that prayer, when we recite it, what are we actually praying? And there's a few phrases here that kind of hit me, that kind of convicted me. The first one, you're gonna remember these because you know, we all know it. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
You know, that is easier to pray than to live out because to live it out, what it means is this, is we need to be willing to die to self. It is believing that it is all about God instead of us. Now, I gotta be honest with you. There were many, many times I prayed this and I was more concerned about what I wanted than what God wanted, but I prayed it. This is my favorite one. Give us today our daily bread. We've all prayed it, but here's the thing. I think if God answered it, many of us would actually be upset. Because what we're asking for is this, is for God to supply our daily bread, just to give us what we need for today. And the majority of us here, if we're honest, let's be real, we don't want our daily bread. We want our weekly bread. We want our monthly bread. We want our yearly bread. We even want our retirement bread. How we know this is a story in the Bible. Remember when the Israelites were in the desert, in the wilderness, and God provided the manna every day? What did the Israelites do? They complained. They actually tried to store it up because their daily bread wasn't enough, but we pray this, and sometimes we don't know what we're praying. Here's another one. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Think about for a moment we're praying here. We are asking God to forgive us in the same way that we forgive others. And that can be especially scary if we are harboring bitterness towards someone. Because what we're actually saying is this, God, you don't have to forgive me because I'm not willing to forgive them. Because it says, forgive us the same way we forgive others. But again, we pray, and this is the final one, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We all want to be delivered from temptation. But the funny thing is this, is at the same time, we are holding tightly to the things that tempt us. Yeah, I want to be let out of it, but I don't want to let this go. But we're praying, God, lead us out of temptation. So my point is this, is when we pray, we have to think about what we're praying. So all of those things we pray in the Lord's Prayer are important but don't ask God to give you your daily bread if you don't want your daily bread. Think about what you're praying because it's a conversation between you and God. So here's the big question. Why are greeting card prayers so appealing? Well, I think the first reason is because they're quick. We can be in and out and feel good about ourselves. I think another reason is we we can actually hide behind them because they're not actually our words. It's when we use our own words, that's when the emotions come out, that's when the vulnerability comes out. And the problem is this, if, if all we do is recite a prayer, what is gonna happen is this, is we are going to lack depth. And therefore we don't deepen our relationship with God. And here's the thing I want you to get this morning. If you read the Bible from the beginning to the end, you will notice this, is that God is all about relationship. He's all about the relationship he has with his creation. We who are made in his image. And so the kind of prayers that God longs for are the kind of prayers that will strengthen that relationship. So, let me wrap this up by helping us get some direction to move in that way. I wanna give you two quick action steps. And if you haven't written anything down today, write these things down. 
Write them in your Bible, please spare, even write them on your hand, okay? It's worth the ink poisoning, okay? Write them on your hand, okay? Here's the thing, first one. If we wanna get close to God in prayer, draw near. Draw near. James 4.8 says this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. We see in this passage that God will never, never force himself on us. He allows us to make the first move, but here's the cool thing, is when we make the first move, he instantly responds to us. But to draw near to God means this, we need to make time for God consistently. And with our busy schedules, it might mean that we need to rearrange our priorities. And that might be tough. That might be painful. Because if we're being honest, my day is more about me than God sometimes. I want to get certain things done. I have certain demands to meet. I have certain expectations on me. But if it's all about God, if it's drawing near, I've got to say, okay, this is my first priority. I read this somewhere that if we spend a day without God and do many things, it's a wasted day. If we don't spend time with God. So, the first one is what? Draw near. I'm just going to give you two to make it real easy. Second one is this, is be still. Draw near, be still. One of my favorite verses is Psalm 46, verse 10. It says this, be still and know that I am God. Let me ask you a question this morning. When was the last time you were still? Oh, I can't, like I mean really still. Like no distraction. You know, in our hectic worlds, I think stillness almost seems like an impossibility. This is what I want you to get this morning. It is in that stillness that I believe God speaks. Because we see it in the story of Elijah. Remember when God passed by? It says this, that, that God wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire. But he spoke in the stillness. Now, to experience that stillness takes time and focus. I remember one of my mentors sharing with me how he experienced stillness in his life. And what he did is this, is every time he went before God, he had a pad and a pencil. And what he did is he sat and was still before God. He says when he started to do it, all of these ideas would just rush through his head. And so he simply wrote them down on a piece of paper. And as he wrote them, he just kind of said, okay, I don't have to worry about it now. I can deal with it later. And he would do this for about 15 to 20 minutes, just writing things down. He said he had pages full of stuff. But that's the way he removed all the distractions. But after the, 20 and 15, after the 15, 20 minutes, he experienced stillness before God. And so I remember some years later, God brought that to my mind, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to try it. And can I be honest with you? It was so tough. I had my pad and my pen and I was ready to go and my mind just raced. And so I did exactly what he said. I just started writing the things down. And I found the same thing. Is once I wrote them down, I could let them go. Write them down, let them go. And for about a half an hour, I did this. But I'll tell you something. Once my mind was cleared, I experienced that stillness before God. And that is when you truly experience God. Real prayer is right prayer. And what that means is this, 
is we need to stop trying to be someone we're not. We need to stop using words we don't understand. And we need to stop talking to God like he's a million light years away, because he's not. He's right here. We are his temple. He's chosen to dwell inside of us. Think about it this way. If God, who created the universe, wants to have a conversation with you, isn't it worth the investment? Even if we don't know what to say and how to say it or how to feel or, how to, or what to expect, it says this, that God is simply calling us to draw near and to be still. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the fact that you made us in your image. And in making us in your image, you desired to have a relationship with us. And Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage this week to work on that relationship through our prayer life. Lord, allow us to draw near, to remove, to rearrange our schedules, to make you a priority. And Lord, allow us to be still before you, to remove all the distractions and just focus on you. Because Lord, I know this, that if we're willing to draw near and be still and make that investment, that is an investment that will pay dividends for years to come. Lord, we want to know you in the same way that David did, who was, willing to, who was able to just express himself to you. And as a result, was able to experience a deep, deep love for you and from you. Lord, thank you for loving us so much and loving us first.